No, Joan, Joan's having a bad day. It's a low point. And wait, is Ida dead yet or is that the next day? I, I don't know. It's the next day, right? I don't know. It's the next day. No, she's dead already. Wait. Mad Men, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. My mother made that. Welcome to They Coined It. I'm Roberta Lip. I'm Dan Jasper. Are you sure? <laughs> I said, I said no, it with right conviction. There. You did. Yeah. You did. You did. I was just, I was checking, I guess. I was feeling a little un- unclear. I'm good about it. I love that toward the beginning of that, the episode is that scene of Don and Faye having a, a midday, a midday go at it, right? In Don's apartment. I love how we hear them before we see them. I love the two bottles on the on the table, <laughs> like the two little birds. It's very cute. What I was struck by is we've never gotten this view of like, there's been plenty of sex in Mad Men. You never get the like romping good time. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like this was like, oh, like I wanted to go do it again. Well, yeah, you never, you, we're never in the room. Here we're somewhat in the room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and even the not being in the room for the sound effects, those sound effects were very. Uh, that mic was in the room. Yeah, convincing. <laughs> and, and yeah, no, and I'm, we're breaking lamps and the whole the whole like come closer and you're soft and just the leg. Yeah, like, all that was it was like super. It was there was a grit, a grit it, to the to the coverage, which we a don't grit, get. But also, but also a warmth. I agree. With all of seeing Don's sex addiction and sex and love addiction is really. That was that was what uh, Dave in our they joined it season finale. He talks about it's it's really considered sex and love addiction. That's the mm-hmm. that's the twelve that's the twelve step group, right? And I guess that was where I more like I I never was like on Don's side as much as I was because because we got that little peak. Uh huh. And also, what's interesting, I like that this is how we're introduced to the fact that they're sleeping together. Yeah. Up till that last that last we saw, he uh, he was not putting out. He gave her the Heisman in the cab, and uh, we didn't know if they would if they would get together, but clearly they have. They they're they're doing the thing. But there's still a Chinese wall between them. Yes, that's right. Well, <laughs> let's get Di- into diving in. Yeah, <laughs> the, the beautiful <laughs> girls was written by Davi Waller and Matthew Weiner, directed by Mike Uppendahl. Original air date was September 19th, 2010, and it takes place in July 1965. This is where we learn Don and Faye are sleeping together. Joan, we find out that Joan has learned Greg is getting called up to Vietnam. Roger and Joan go out for dinner, get mugged, and have sex on the street. So that happens. Uh, Sally decides on her own to visit Don at his office, prompting some quality time and then some for those two all kinds of time mm-hmm. yeah this was um it's a deceptively unusual episode i'm gonna call it that okay yeah i'm okay with that like it, it was um what the fuck was it about is is the question that's what we're <laughs> that, that you generally we're here to oh, we're, right. <laughs> we're here to answer and i'm these women and girls, because there because there is a girl, there is a Sally, 
all have, it's like they're all, okay, it's like that really clumsy soup metaphor at the end, which was, you know, that was. (laughs) Came close to ruining it, but didn't. But right. Yes. <laughs> well, it was like, right. It was it was this attempt to describe what this episode is about. And it's doing about as good a job as I am right now. But it's like, that's kind of what it's about. I mean, the women that were focused on in this episode, particularly Joan, Faye. Peggy, I am blanking out on names. Blankenship also happens. A lot yeah. happens. But it's all about who these women are, how they live their lives the choices they make, and how much it is fucked up by men, I think. I mean, I think basically. (laughs) There's some of that for sure. I I see it as a bit of a meditation, which I I think is sort of in some ways what you're saying. It's not one of those, although when you think about it, there is a plot point that does have huge ramifications for later. For the most part, these are kind of little snippets, little vignettes of where these women are going at this point in time, where they're trying to get to. And each of these stories kind of lives on its own. It doesn't really connect very much up until you look at the title of the episode, perhaps. Mm. But we, you know, we follow Faye, we follow Sally, we follow Joan, we follow Peggy. And I, I, I find it a fascinating type of format. It's very unusual and it's not a typical construction, but that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I we're mean, off. Yeah. I- Okay, we could start there. I don't know if it's about where they're trying to go. It's just what they're all dealing with. It's just like, here's what's up. Fair enough. (laughs) I mean, I would say I would say Sally is the one with a clear agenda. So maybe let's start with (laughs) let's start with Sally. Wow. First of all, again, like another almost burst forward in Kiernan Shipka's abilities being on display like this was i i I I can't not tear up when she has that meltdown i find her so compelling in this episode every moment i mean there's like there's like one moment where it's like well that was directed that was okay sally show us a smile you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. and every other moment it's just like that kid no the performance is amazing i just love the and and it is it is her channeling this character, no question. When she shows up in the office and that stranger's brought her in. That woman was wonderful. I looked her up and, and I, <laughs> she she just looked familiar and, and I didn't know her from anything in particular. She just was, oh, so good. That was a whole, per- that's such a great Mad Men, sorry, I did like diversion, but like that's what happens on Mad Men. Like there's a whole, like that could have been a Pete's mother, right? Like she was just fucking incredible. She just rides that Hudson Valley line yep. to and from. <laughs> <laughs> into into Manhattan. But no, I, I getting back to Sally, she there's such a I don't call it poise, but an, an intentional, um, unapologetic quality to how she portrays Sally in this episode. You know, she's not a little girl. She got herself on the train. She got herself away from her mom, first of all. But she shows up and and she's not like phased by the fact that the stranger picked her up found her brought where where are you going little girl I'm going to my dad's office she's not like um you know oh my god what did I get myself into she is no I'm here I'm here because I wanted to see you and I don't see you enough and and you know she's getting punished she knows she's in deep shit with her dad as is after the haircutting and everything else that uh she's gonna have some consequences to deal with and she does not care she is she is there for what she's there for and that portrayal is really just it's more than heartwarming it's it's very poignant 
Uh, and as the dad of a girl, uh, they can just level you with some honesty and with a smile or whatever else, uh, whatever else is needed at the time to level you. And, uh, and boy, oh boy, what amazing, amazing scenes we get with her and with Don and everybody, frankly. You know, Don's, this is an episode about the women, but Don is certainly going through his own transformations. He is in this relationship with Faye, whatever it is. And again, it seems lovely from from our perspective. He's thought about what normal people do and trying to act like normal people. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I still say that. No, no, no. That's, that's great. I, I have no problem with that as an assessment, as a yeah. barometer for, for what's happening here. He is not sober and not a drunk in this in this uh glimpse expression <laughs> right yeah. where he's not expressing drunkness he's moment he's in time yeah keeping keeping some shit together and he doesn't look like somebody who is you know at the edge of keeping it t- together his alcoholism is not front and center in this episode it's yeah. it's in remission <laughs> yeah and now sally shows up hmm. and she shows up on quite a quite a day um <laughs> <laughs> because God. not only yeah. not only do we have clients in the office, but somebody dies six feet from her. Oh, <laughs> right? I mean, the mother of all sight gags, right? I mean, this is for, – for again, we keep talking about the quality of the sight gags and how great they are. And we always reference them and we don't let one slip. I hope not. We don't. But th- it's all been leading to this. <laughs> I mean, it really has. So Don has got himself sort of pulled together. And now Sally is this reminder of just how much he can't handle. And we'll get back to we'll get back to Sally. We'll get back to this later. But for now, I think what we can safely say is Don threw every excuse in the book at her of why he can't why she can't live with him. Mm -hmm. Now, the one truth is Betty, despite what shittiness she says on the phone which is you think it's so fucking easy you take the kid but the truth is that if he tried to take the kid she would fight him uh, yeah now that's just that's to, just you know, beyond two divorced parents yeah. but to me what i saw was don you know the idea of don having a child around all the time was like no 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 I and mean, not that he should say no i can't handle you but he never you know he just gave her the excuses that you wouldn't want to you know he tried to talk her out of it Right. What about school? And what about your brothers and your mother? Da, da, da. And what he didn't say is, listen, dude, it's just you can't you you live with your mother and that's just how it goes. But he's also like, I saw panic. I saw this. This life is working right now, this minute as it is. But a kid. <laughs> that's true. And he and, and let's face it, he has the he has the entire weight of society at his back. Right. I don't have to consider taking you because flat out, I don't have to take you. Yeah, it's not a thing. There's, right. There's there's nothing compelling about any argument you could make because children stay with the mom. And who'd want to raise a kid in the city anyway? You know, just all of that. I don't think he's entertaining it for a second. I think he's humoring his daughter by not walking out of the room when she <laughs> when she brings it up. He's gotta he's gotta engage a little bit, but no, I don't think it's it's even a real discussion to him. I agree. I just think there was a flash of it. I think there was a flash for him of Again, she's such a person now, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's not brush offable. 
So when she makes the request, even though you're right, I think in a big, in a real life way, he's not really entertaining it. But I think you've got to have a moment of, oh, it must be terrible for her with Betty. And and could I? No. <laughs> it's a revelation that she would want to. I don't think this is a common thing for her to say. No, this is this is new. And I think he does have at least a half a moment of, Sal- could Sally live here? And then, oh God, oh God, like this is, you know, no, 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 no. I have- Shit, no. I- I have <laughs> afternoon sex and and yeah, prostitutes come. Yeah. Like this is just uh, you've no idea, Sally. I, can't, just, I don't even know how to get to your school. You know how to get to my office, apparently, but I'm. It would I don't never. Know how work. To, yeah. Right. Anyway, we're too incompatible, <laughs> father daughter. Yeah. <laughs> What's more meaningful, frankly, than than can they or can't they, is just the these this relationship. That's what I mean. It's a bit of a meditation. We're just seeing it. We're seeing the the overnight. And let's do something and I'll take you to the zoo or the whatever he suggested. And the breakfast, you know, she's again, she's not apologetic. She's not, boy, this was a mistake. Or just she's trying in her way all that she can to to provide some kind of a normal uh, existence to this. Knowing, I think, full well, because she's bright, that it's an unlikely she's not going to succeed. But she's got a little fantasy going. For herself, that this is something that she can make, ha- that she can will into existence, and it comes crashing down on her, of course. But but for that moment there, she's hopeful. In all her intelligence, I think she is deluding herself just a little bit that this is possible. I was just remembering being in day camp when I was fourteen, and I don't remember the other girl I was friends with, and I will not say the celebrity crushes that we each had. I will not. Okay. But we each had one. And it was like, we each had one at the same intensity, at the same depth, at the same, you know, my mom knows somebody who knows some, like this, the same level. Of, and I remember thinking, she thinks she has a shot with this guy. <laughs> She's crazy. But so did I. Right. But you weren't and crazy. And I wasn't she was crazy. crazy. <laughs> right. Look, Sean Cassidy was very popular back then. A lot and of it girls. It wasn't. I'm not. <laughs> it wasn't for either of us. I'm really never going to. I'll just know. But um, the point is, uh-huh. intelligence has nothing to do with it, especially when your hormones are all over the place. No, no, no. I, 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 yeah. And yeah, her, 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 I think she really thought, I mean, here's the, here, honestly, here's the line of the episode. And I think this is where we can theme out into everybody's storyline to the degree that we can. She kept saying, I'll be good. She said it two, two different times mm. in the episode. You know, I'll be good. She makes him that breakfast and <laughs> with rum. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Which actually, I, I had a hard time. Sally, who's been pouring drinks since she was like yeah, seven, yeah. that she wouldn't know. The difference between that and Mrs. Butterworth's doesn't seem that that. <laughs> it's a cute little plot. It was cute, device. but it, it wasn't. It wasn't actually believable. But it, yes, it was we'll adorable. Call it an engineered incident. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, she's she's there proving herself. She's there to be the perfect wife, right there. Yes. And she definitely hopes it'll work and 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 if she can just convince him that like my your life is better with me here and I won't be in the way and daddy I'll be good and I do think we can look at I'll be good and how can I conform or not conform and how satisfied are these women in their lives I mean mm. that and then that's where we can get to Ida Blankenship who 
<laughs> she died an astronaut, but did she really? She mostly no. died just taking our calls and, you know. Yeah, I think I think Roger's obit was a little yeah. more accurate than Bert's obit. Yeah. But but I I love the poetry, you know? I just I love that. I cried this time and I never and and that's the line and I never cried before. It's a beautiful um I think what it is, is it's just a reflection on their relationship, whether, you know, the line is accurate or not, who cares? It gives us just a little peek into who Bird is and who, what their relationship was, which we really still don't know very much. I mean, all you know, <laughs> whatever the hell. It, the- but it was Roger that was the one who slept with her, right? Yes, evidently. It gets confusing. It and does. I, it's, not, yeah. it's not explicit. But, but regardless, I think we, you know, we see them doing the crossword Right, which is a very intimate thing to do together, frankly. Okay, wait, pause. It is only on Mad Men that you go nine episodes into a season when you finally learn that Bertram Cooper does not have an office. That's right. Episode nine, folks. (laughs) Thanks for playing. We keep seeing him sitting around in all the places. He doesn't have a fucking office. It's what you call continuity. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Exactly. Genius. Yeah. That was genius. Under the radar. But no, but we we glimpse their 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 relationship and this kind of familiarity and friendship and and so w- when Bert's struggling with it and then he just kind of comes up with that with that line, I think it's just it's I think it's more expressionistic than it is realistic, I guess. Maybe if that's if that's accurate or not, but I loved it. Oh no, no, no. It was absolutely beautiful. It just was it was it just was that Rogers was the real truth. No, I thought I thought Bert's sentiment and his honoring of her in by saying that I mean, listen, they were already puffing up her her obituary. Well, they couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> Executive secretary. <laughs> but no, Joan again, just by putting those beloved uh, you know, whatever the co- uh, colleague, etc. Um, again, was that woman who is as I see my paternal grandmother that everyone raved she was gone before I was born. She was the she was the the Miss Manners Maven, right? Yeah, right. She was she, like she was yeah. the one who would always have the right thing to say, could put put a little note together or just the right phrase or turn you know, and just uh Miss Etiquette. So so yeah, Joan comes in and I just kind of get that that tingle up my spine of like, yeah, there were women who were, <laughs> this was their, one of their highest callings was to, to know what to say and when and how. Uh, and, and yeah. I loved seeing Joan do that, but um, just, but the whole thing, you know, leading up and all this kind of cartoonish, you know, some of the, the some of her lines, uh, politically correct and incorrect, but, but more so this sight gag was just the, the whole episode around how it worked and, was so beautifully done because Don really had to go in and out of that that conference room 50 times. <laughs> and the whole thing happening behind behind that. Yeah, perfect. I mean, Faye, Faye noticed, Faye finally was like, oh, yeah. you know, looks yeah. up, but she sees it and let me, let me do, and him writing down the line so that the guys had something to sign as this is happening. Yeah, and, to divert the attention. And, and, and Harry, Harry's one Harry. line. <laughs> My mother made that. It is. It's perfect. I mean, when they really want to do it, they do it. And this was it. It's all leading to this. Incredible. You've really got to respect. You've really, you've really got to respect the long play on this with Ida Blankenship for the whole season long. The long play to come to this. You, to, I just mean, to for this. give it up. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> there it is. My slow clap. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd ask my secretary, but she's dead. Yeah. 
Blanket Chip, are you all right? Miss Blanket Chip. Miss Blanket Chip. Where this all comes together in the actual rest of the story is that they're with the client, Fillmore Auto Parts. They've got Sally in Don's office waiting to be dealt with. And then obviously it also necessitates Don asking Faye. I mean, doesn't actually necessitate, but in the in the in Don's world it necessitates. <laughs> saying, uh, Faye, you've got breasts. Can you take my daughter? <laughs> Basically. Whatever you're doing the rest you of the day and a key, so. is not as important as taking my daughter, who you don't know, and, and entertaining her uh, at at my apartment. Oh boy, I mean that that is the request that Don would make, that any just about any guy would make. Frankly, frankly, let's say. Um, I guess I'm curious about just the comic, the comic aspect of how bad Faye is with Sally. So. That's interesting. I didn't. She's comically bad. No, you're right, and I didn't. I didn't identify it as such until you just said that, because it's not funny. But you're no. right. It is. Uh, it cartoonishly is cartoonishly bad. Again, cartoon. We've used this recently a few times. It is cartoonishly bad. I mean, because what, what I thought of when we were talking about Sally and how really substantive she has become and she always has been right but more and more and more that's that's part of what part of what you deal with as a family as a parent and i I certainly do as as an aunt is like they're not you know they're not this this cutie little kid that if you just hug it out everything's fine the truth is that that's always true right it's it's hugs help and and but you know nobody no kid can be pushed around as easily as we like to think. As we wish they would be, yeah. Not an infant, not a toddler, you know. Um, but certainly not this young girl. So it is it is that much more of a contrast that Faye is treating her out of her own nerves. In- insecurity. Her own yeah. insecurity, treating her like she's a perhaps brain-damaged toddler. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially yeah. the second time. Do you remember me? Yeah. What? Ridiculous. I love it. At that point, Sally's not even engaging with her, right? But yeah, you're right. It's, I didn't examine it for its plausibility. And it isn't. Like, she could be nervous. Yeah, that would be real. That's fine. But. Hi, Sally. I'm Faye. That's not real. That's not real. Two seconds after you get introduced to a person who, and you could you can see Faye got kind of going. Like as soon as Sally opens her mouth, Sally's like, "Yeah, I know." I, right. My dad just yeah. said, "You Smart could see Alec kid, yeah." But also like whole kid, like whole person. You could see Faye going, "Oh yeah, that's a whole person right there." And I was I was thinking of her as like kind of a five year old, and here she's not. It's just dumb though. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to understand: is it that big of a swing and miss, or is there something about hmm. Faye's character that? Where this is, where this is like some kind of blind spot, or I mean, the only thing she says is towards the end, where she's like, "It feels like a test, and I failed." And it's like, it feels like a test you didn't even study for, you know? Like, yeah, um, it, it didn't because that I couldn't, I couldn't piece it together. No, I'm with you on this. The pieces did not all uh, literally. Just, it's funny that you just use that phrase. I was literally going to say the pieces did not all fit together. <laughs> 
And by the way, Davi Waller, we, I think we've mentioned her before. She's a, she's a great writer. She's gone on. She wrote, or she was the, I think the showrunner of Mrs. America. Like she's terrific. Mm-hmm. And you don't know who came from what, right? But yeah. the, the pieces did not all fit together because no. what she says at the end, what Faye says at the end is, I love kids. I just made a choice not to have kids and I hope that's okay with you. Now that <laughs> is big and bold. And listen, that's- yeah. That's that's a different thing. That's a different thing. That's not take my kid and entertain her for an afternoon. That's not, I can't even talk to an 11-year-old right. Right. like a person. Right. Like I'm a person. I love kids. I, I hope to learn that they're real people one day. <laughs> I hope to I hope to meet one at some point. Like, yeah. yeah. No, it's it in their efforts to, I don't know what. That's the thing. I don't know what. And it didn't work. So if that was meant to be funny, it wasn't to me because it was too upsetting and weird. There was too much crisis happening in that moment. Sally really needed attention. There was a dead woman literally to, you know, outside the, the door. I don't think it was played for laughs. I think it was I think they were going for something and it went horribly wrong in that instance. Like there's a thousand ways you can show that Faye isn't great with Sally. There just are a thousand yeah. and Carabona is a terrific actress. She yes. will she will pick one. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, this was not her fault. No, I don't think. No, 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 no. Uh, too bad. Too, yeah. It stood out. It stood out a lot. No, I, I agree. It, you know, and even, I mean, here's the thing. They spent a few hours together at the apartment, you know, watching TV. I'm sure, I mean, maybe it was utter silence, but it's hard to, like, they got on a train together or whatever yeah, they right. did. Whatever they did. They got into a cab, probably. They had to act like normal people for a few hours. Right, right. right. They interacted. And then the, for her to come back the next day, mm. Just as awkward. Brutal. Again, implausibly awkward. Implausibly awkward. So that's a sure. that's a thumbs down from Dan Jasper and Roberta Lip. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Oof. Hello. My name is Faye. I know. My dad just said that. We'll get back to Sally, but let's talk for a moment about Abe Drexler. Oh, Abe. Oh, Abe. Now, am I going to lose half our listeners if I say Bernie bro? <laughs> Maybe a third, but I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. To the extent that that's what that was, um, I I think it's um, it's sort of an extension of the beatniks that that Don and Midge hung or that Midge hung out with and Don endured. But I guess that sentiment was taking hold somewhat in in some countercultural way, more mainstream. Look. We've all learned a lot about how to have these conversations, or some of us have, and some of us have not. And life isn't one big Twitter fight. So if you say black people and you come back with, well, what about my group? That doesn't work. But we're talking to a white guy who's talking about black people to begin with. So there's that. And for her to say what she said about her lived experience being a woman and Mm -hmm. him laughing, ha, 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 like there'd be some kind of march, which... God, was every bit of that conversation predictive? I mean, holy shit. He's like, it could happen here. And I'm like, ugh. And it's incredibly historically accurate. You know, I remember being in a, a, like second grade or third grade, really young, it's kind of probably too young to have this conversation in public school. But I remember a teacher saying that maybe I was older because it was more of a social studies kind of a thing. But the teacher was telling us that black people get rights before women all the time. Always. Th- those issues are addressed before gender issues constantly. The vote. 
and he, and he, and he said, and this was, you know, this would have been early eighties. Uh, there'll be a black president before there's a female president. And we didn't right. know what to make of that. We were like, huh? There's never been either. So, <laughs> you know, to the extent there'll be either one of those one day, okay, sure, haha. What makes you think it'll be a black person? He's like, trust me, here's right. how it goes. And it wasn't a black teacher, but it was a, it was a fast, and it stayed with me because, you know, we've gone on and sure enough had a black president so far, but that's kind of the Abe and Peggy dynamic, the vibe that's going on. I mean, that's what you're seeing. Yeah, I believe it was Shirley Chisholm who was asked which was harder, which was harder. And and she said, no, oh, being a woman. But to what Abe and Peggy were saying, I mean, I think that whole relationship writ large is is is, is boiled down into what they're saying. He's here's a white guy talking about helping black people, or at least at least recognizing their plight before he even acknowledges that there's a plight. Oh well, we'll have a march for women, Peggy. You know, yeah, like yeah. and uh and that's I think and that that goes on to this very moment. Uh, just the whole the whole thing. And you've got Peggy oversimplifying it by saying you know, well, the the first black writer's going to have to fight their way in the way I did. And that's it's right. like, you know, yes, yes. And that's an oversimplification. So you take all that and then you've got Peggy later saying, I'm not political. And she's a great example of someone who's not political. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the political is personal. She also does know the lived experience of being the woman we've talked about a million that's times right. of of having to fight her way every single day for what she's doing. So it's fascinating. And I think her instinct, her instinct is to not wear that on her sleeve. She doesn't come into work every morning feeling like she's a woman who has to navigate the office, right? She might internally she might know that, but her actions and how she deals with people is pretty pretty straightforward. You know, she she doesn't let it she's not she's not out there talking about this stuff. Well, she doesn't go to work to be the only woman at work. Yeah. Or to be the only woman writer. She goes to work to be a copywriter. Truly. And then she's like, oh, that's right. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I got to deal <laughs> I with this shit all day. Yeah. I still can't go into the golf club. I still, I'm still dealing with all, everything I'm dealing with every fucking Absolutely. day. Yeah. But, but if you ask her, just as she was confronted, I'm not political. I'm not, I'm not here to be that. I'm not here to, I'm here to do my work for my own gratification. But, but what we do is not a political act. And of course, Abe's not wrong. Abe's, I was just going to say, you know, on the, on the downside of Peggy on this, that's right. She, she is part of the corporate sellout culture. Yeah, which was not acknowledged, you know, so much back then. Abe was very cutting edge, Bernie bro, right? <laughs> so he's very much on the cutting edge of 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 seeing that as part of an establishment, anti-establishment construct. Jesus, I don't even know where to start. So we would have done a campaign for Goldwater? Are you kidding? That would have been spectacular. Did you vote for him? Of course not. She's very comfortable with her... You know, what he would view as a hypocritical... Compartmentalization to some degree. Yeah. That's right. So now he comes back. He really thinks he's saving her. Right. <sighs> he really does think he's saving her. She actually says, I could lose my job for this. Well, you know, next day when he comes in and he mm-hmm. writes, he's written the love poem. <laughs> Nuremberg on Madison <laughs> Avenue. Right? I start all my poems with Nuremberg on and I give it a location. That's sure. right. <laughs> 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 you know, she says, I could have lost my job. I could lose my job over this. And he's like, and that's when you're you're like, oh, dude, because he's like, well, that would well, that be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's it's a male thing. It's a overly liberal head in the clouds thing. It's a can't read the room thing. It's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. 
most of them missing the mark. <laughs> and you see it at the end. She she really I mean, you saw it at the beginning. You saw that love that wonderful so you know, just backing up. She really likes him. The whole thing. Joyce is like, let's go out. You've got that great scene with Stan being yeah. like, oh, the lesbian. Da, 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 da. And when she licks Peggy's face and Peggy just giggles. I mean, how great <laughs> Peggy is just rolling with this lesbian friend, right? It's just fantastic. In, in a way that also feels a little implausible for for a straight woman in, in 1965. I so. But I okay, so. we'll take it That's because right. we enjoy it. Yeah. But yeah, she asked her at the end, angry or lovesick. She's like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, <laughs> She's, there's something you there. Got, because the scene at the bar before it starts turning bad is just wonderful. It's this great setup. It's this great scene. Peggy lights up when she sees him and he's yeah. been trying to find her. And it's just so charming. And we haven't seen Peggy like anybody. I mean, we never saw her meet Mark. And if we had, we wouldn't have cared. And we never liked him when we saw him. We saw them together and ew, it was never good. And Mark was just not. Uh, her level. He, he wasn't on her level, and he wasn't thoughtful in the way that Peggy needs someone to be thoughtful about her, which Abe, and that's what Abe has. He's thoughtful, even in, even if it's misguided in certain ways. Abe has a spark and an intelligence and yeah. an attractiveness that is a match for Peggy, but boy, Correct. is he missing the mark. Yep. And that's, in, in a way, that's the charm that we can, we can see it in certain ways. In the context of their relationship, I see it as very charming. The fact that he completely misses the mark and was willing to get her fired. Yeah. Okay, no, he's not—he's not really willing to get her fired, but but he's he's completely misguided. Uh, in 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 as he says, you're better than this. He thinks he knows better for her, right? Which is a ridiculous approach. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put my mark right here and say that is not part of the charm. That is despite no, the charm. No, that's not that that's not what I mean. I think the whole fact that he sees this political discussion. As the way to her heart. Oh, that, I mean, that's <laughs> Very just, charming. I, I mean, but dude, it's just discourse. Like you're like, right. that's the yeah. worst, man. When you're just like going at it with somebody and then they're like, this was fun banter. And you're like, are you fucking yeah, kidding me? You crossed the line you didn't you know was there. You crossed the line yeah. two miles back and I'm literally Truly. ready to strangle you. Very charming. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh -huh. But, um. <laughs> but no, it's but the, but the setup with these two, I think, is very realistic for its time. I think they're really, you know, the Upper West Side of Manhattan. You could throw a rock and hit an Abe Drexler, you know, in the face. And maybe you should. And his, but his interaction with Peggy, I think, is very realistic. I I like the whole the whole bit, and he does have a spark. That's exactly true. And what I see also from a thematic standpoint. You see a lot of these women where, or these people in, in, in certain cases, being where they're not wanted. How so? <laughs> Peggy, Peggy makes the comment, you know, no one wanted me there. I had to push my way in. So she's referring to her outsider mm -hmm. status. Don's showing up at, uh, excuse me, Sally's showing up at Don's office as being where she's not wanted. Abe following Peggy to her place of business to give her this <laughs> screed. Um, is where he's not wanted, you know, and there's, I just see these little, these little points in time where people are referencing um, being where they're not wanted. And I, I don't know what that means. I don't know where it goes, but I just, it kept popping up in my notes that people were where they were not supposed to be. Okay. Take that for what it is. Let's take a break. Speaking of what it is. So when we come back, a little more about Sally, Roger, Swedish massage. Yeah. 
So we have... Viewer mail. Listener mail. <laughs> I keep thinking of, uh, I think it was Letterman, who used to have that great jingle whenever they'd read mail on the air. It was like, letters. Oh, we get letters. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was what so it was. We, yeah. If any, if any of our listeners want to create a mail jingle for, they coined it. Um, feel free to send it in. We may or may not use it, um, and the rights completely belong to us. But if that's your jo- if that's your joint, then by all means, send away. One of my favorite podcasts. Questions at tcimanmanpat.com. That's right. Correct. <laughs> One of my favorite podcasts is Love It or Leave It, which is John mm-hmm. Lovett, who's it's a it's it's in tandem with Pod Save America. And by the way, I'm going to see a live show this Friday. Neato. at the Beacon Theater. Where I sang once. That's a whole other story. Oh, this Friday. That's part of the New York yeah. Comedy Festival. Yeah. And, uh, I know those guys very well. Of Oh, of course you do. Um, Dan has secrets, people. You have no idea what this secrets. guy- Secrets. <laughs> oh, I've got secrets. Anyway, point is, love it or leave it. I think it started with shutdown. I believe it started with shutdown where he he always does a live show and then that's- edited and and that goes out as the mm-hmm. podcast so he does a live show on a thursday and obviously that stopped so they went indoors and they've had like different iterations and they've had send us your theme song and every week for the last i don't know 19 20 months however long it's been there's been in addition to their regular theme song they've had a listener contributed oh, theme see? song yeah we should do that yeah they're amazing no i mean our listener base is at least as large as theirs so we should have people sending in tunes for us all right all right i appreciate that dan jasper is going to be managing this project oh i didn't say that at all i said we should be getting them come in man that's something else managing is a whole nother story so roxanne on instagram (laughs) (laughs) yeah says hi roberta and dan well these are about the summer man right these are about the last episode prior to this one correct okay just wanted to establish that Great podcast on Thursday about the summer man. She doesn't say that. Thank you. I just had a couple thoughts while you were discussing Don writing in his apartment. Roberta, you thought that his writing was cold and flat. I had a little different take on his writing. I thought of it as being more honest and surfaced. He was not writing from a creative frame of references, but rather... From the gut, as he appeared to be experiencing more and more moments of clarity while weaning off the booze. Also, he was experiencing the loneliness of being single in that sad apartment, but nonetheless, feeling safe and expressing his thoughts in a judgment-free zone. Oh, until Roberta came along. She she didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's implied. Just writing but, thoughts. Yeah. Judgment was in quotes. <laughs> and, right. and sometimes they feel a little flat or morphed into other thoughts and often unrelated. In other words, rather than self-medicating with his CC neat, he was self-comforting with his words. J-M-H-O, just my humble opinion. I usually sign things I-M-N-S-H-O. In my not so humble opinion, <laughs> I, have, uh-huh. I have used that many times. Open for that's also implied. To, anyway, yes. uh, and a little <laughs> smiley face. Love the podcast. Thank you so much, Roxanne. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Roxanne. That's awesome. I'm gonna read one from and please forgive me, uh, listener, for perhaps mangling. Uh, Berea Antaki is is looks like how it's pronounced. I hope so. 
One of my favorite episodes. Love the summer vibe. Some of my takes. This is multi-part. One, Bethany's reaction completely changed the way she saw Don. Before she, before she thought he was a sad divorcee, after seeing Betty, he instantly became a bigger catch. Thus, the blowy. That's in quotes. Blowy is in uh, quotes. Yes, it's, it's, it's um, <laughs> in a, in a single quotes, single quotes. apostrophes, I guess you could say. But I think that's It's a little flaccid, if you will. That's right. That's right. Good point. Uh, that's the blowy moment in the back seat. She wanted to secure another date. That's a good point. We didn't mention it that way. Can we talk about the fact that Greg is only turned on when he is coercing Joan into something? Can we not? That's another good- You're not wrong. It's another, it's another good yet equally disgusting point. The moment in the elevator. I didn't read it so much as Joan stuck in the past, but rather felt jealous and belittled that Peggy solved her problem. It just further reinforced her growing irrelevance in that new office. She wasn't able to get rid of Joey on her own and resented the fact that Peggy could. So she had to recall that former dynamic between them. Uh, I'm the big sister. You're the idiot little sister to gain some power in the situation. Great episode. I do take I do take a different view of that third point because Joan didn't have a chance to get rid of Joey. She's saying she would have. She didn't try and fail. Peggy just jumped in and saved the day, so to speak. I think the resentment is, you know, she has sort of looked at Peggy <sighs> Re- reluctantly growing admiration is is even generous, right? But right. certainly she has a f- front row seat at this woman's career. She's now. Yeah. she's looking at Peggy like this. Okay, you do you, and mm-hmm. and I think the way to connect that to uh, this point is, oh look, you have power to fire somebody, and I don't. Right, but Berea's point in in the note is she wasn't able to get rid of Joey on her own. Well, that I don't think that's true. We don't. She hadn't had a chance to get rid of Joey on her own. She tried a few ways. She tried to, she didn't have, she can't. After that, after that cartoon, she was go. she had this whole thing in her mind of, oh, I, a dinner with Sugarberry, I could get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. But that takes some time and some doing. And this event just happened. Whereas Peggy fired him on the spot. So it wasn't that Peggy, that Joan couldn't get rid of Joey after that cartoon. She hadn't put her plan into, into effect yet. I could not disagree more. Okay. I could not disagree more. Joan has already tried to get rid of Joey even before this happened in the ways that she mm-hmm. has in the in the tools available in her toolbox, which she doesn't have the ability to fire him. And we discussed at length in Summerman in the you know in the main episode all the options she took and we talked about what if she had gone to Lane with this drawing and we kind of mm-hmm. figured uh, probably not. Like she okay. literally doesn't That's- have the power to fire. That's it. That's all there is. She does not have the get, fire. Get rid of is not the same as fire, though. We're not. I never said she could fire him. And, you know, what she did instead was give those guys a read, right? I mean, that's that's what that thing was. But it seemed like, and that's it. Wash my hands of it. Okay. My work here is done because she doesn't have the power to fire. C- correct. I, we agree. She does not have the power to fire. All right. Well, anyway, those are the notes. I have one quick. Oh, is there more? Just I have one quick, just general. Uh, we We on Twitter... The Two Reels podcast just gave us a little, hey, we are starting from the beginning, can't wait to catch up. And we love that. We love when other podcasters, especially, you know, film podcasters and stuff, give us love and, and love and love our stuff. We love it too. You know, what's, what's very cool about our numbers, when you can look at numbers in the podcasting world, is 
Our top five episodes are the first five episodes. Everybody discovers us and goes back to the beginning. That's how That's right. Mad Men fans work it. That's how we worked it, and so shall we. And you. Thank you. Letters. We love your letters. <laughs> <laughs> we need an outro now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, when you send in the jingle, make sure to have an intro and an outro. That's just basic podcasting 101. Sure. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's get Goodbye. back to we'll, it. We'll look for those. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sorry. I had to get the door. There was a couple of Swedish women standing there with a table and a <laughs> bunch of nail polish. I do love Joan's at-home look Yeah, every, every time. time, whether it's like the casual or the, the, the glasses. She looks great in the glasses. And it's never bad. Joan on the couch is always good. You know, we saw we had this scene with, with Joan and Roger early in the episode where you see that Joan is just miserable. And I was mm. like... Oh my God, she needs, she was like, I need you to sign this for Lane and Betty and done. Not you putting up with this shit. All I do is work. And I yeah. was like, Joan is miserable in her job. And then you, and then you find out that she's now find, found out that Greg's about to go to Vietnam. Okay. So you've yep. got the Joan and Roger dynamic. Again, any other show, that would have been the scene. Greg and Joan. Him telling her that he's been called up. But now we learn it through Roger, through Caroline. That he's been called up. And it's just a it's just a comment. It's not a whole thing, right? <laughs> it's a sort of amazing amount of information to get in the third hand, but but that's how we get it. And it does. It explains her mood. I do want to say that there's many shows that do Mad Men does it better than many, but exposition through conflict is is a thing. Is a, a way to treat a script. But this wasn't conflict. This was just This was absolutely conflict between Joan and Roger. But the exposition came through Caroline, and there was no conflict there. Okay. I'm just saying the information came to us this way. I wasn't calling it exposition about Joan and Roger's discussion. I'm just saying that we learn this fact third hand, which is unusual. Okay. That's my point. That is all. I brought you bear class. Caroline won't let me have one, unless it's on the end of a real bear. Well, anyway. Joni, it'll be okay. People love to say that. Roger now, you know, feels bad. He wants to do something. And he, we, these, what's the plural of masseuse? Masseuse? Yeah, my, mice. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Swedish mice. I like masseuse. I'm going with masseuse, like goose and geese. Swedish mice. Show up for in a pedicure and it's a nice gesture, which she, I think, immediately links to, to Roger. We were just talking about how Peggy has had a couple boyfriends or has had a boyfriend who didn't understand, you know, what she wanted and and Abe maybe does and doesn't know what mm -hmm. she wants. And this was just one of those great moments of like somebody <laughs> really right. seeing what will make a difference for you in, in the moment. And it's a great gesture. I mean, if you're trying to get in with someone good, I mean, right. that's a way to do it. It he is. He really got exactly, you know, the right thing. And she appreciated it. And, of course, he's, you know, knocking down her door for, for goodies. Well, uh, yeah, I would just like to say she's wearing a dress the next day that is a, a, the non-Christmas version of his favorite Christmas dress. I mean, it is. Remember, he had he had made the comment that. The, uh, yeah, I didn't yeah, notice. He yeah. had made the comment just to refresh everybody's memory. He had made the comment in Christmas Comes 
but once a year of are oh that red dress where you look like a big present or something like that, which yeah. they actually the script was retrofitted to the costume because it was <laughs> this red dress with a you know with a bow where she looks like a present. So this was a red dress with a bow on it, a solid red oh. dress with a bow on it. is It is like the day wear version of that dress. So in my mind, she dressed for Roger. Ah, as a as okay. a after, after, she, she brought as a yeah, she you. brought yeah. bear claws and she wore that dress. And, you know, in another character, I might not say this is a woman who dressed to please the the eyes of the man she wants to say thank you to. But this is Joan we're talking about. That's right. No mistakes. But then, of course, Roger, you know, says what sounds like a come on. And it's hard to tell because do what do you think? Was it a, was it a blatant? Com- I mean, I guess it was. Was it his normal lecherous self? You know, I think Roger's not thinking anything through. I okay. think Roger isn't necessarily thinking let's go have dinner and sex although he'd be i just he's, he's just perfectly he's fine. just yeah he he might be thinking it's hard to know he's certainly right. uh he has no business taking any woman out to dinner as a married man and he knows that um so he's certainly like he might greg's out of town and he's definitely taking advantage of that, of like, we could we could spend more time together. I'll keep you company. And he might think he's being innocent. Like, mm-hmm. Roger doesn't think these things through. And he's an eight-year-old boy. True. And she's not wrong to be like, yeah, no, that's, I mean, you're. it's not a wrong read. And, and I'm not definitive on it. She usually deflects it more elegantly than that. She's never, she never acts offended, which she did here. I mean, well, because she feels manipulated. Oh, I see. That wasn't just for a bear claw. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was. No, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's and she's really hurt and angry and vulnerable right now. Her husband is about to go to Vietnam. For sure. And she's so lonely. And that's, I think, where she feels she's like, I fucking let my guard down for two seconds with him. Mm-hmm. And because I do like talking to him and I don't talk to anybody. He Greg's the only we, you know, Greg's the she doesn't have girlfriends. She doesn't have friends. She doesn't have anybody. Yeah. She doesn't have friends in the office. And that's really clear. She feels manipulated. And that I understand. I wish you would talk to me about things. My husband doesn't like it. I know it's tough, but you must have known about the possibilities when he signed up. I wasn't consulted. You're kidding. Because you always tell Jane about all of your decisions. She's the woman behind the man, isn't she? But they end up going out and have a nice little, nice little time at this deli or wherever they go, and um, they get because it's mid sixties New York, they uh, get mugged. Fascinating scene, right? Well, yes and no, yes and no. Here's the thing. <laughs> no, and yes. First, she comments that this neighborhood has really gone downhill, and I'm a little yeah. nervous to be here. I just would love to see some statistics, and I am not this kind of researcher. You know, I'd love to see Michael Hobbs tell me. Of the muggings in New York City in that particular neighborhood, how many of them were black men committing them? Because it seemed to feed a cliche. I understand that white people walk around afraid of being mugged by black people in 1965 and maybe today. But how accurate is it to have that fear? I know plenty of people robbed by white people, mugged, you know what I mean? Like, 
I was a little offended by the by the cliche being brought to life. And but again, I don't know the statistics. Maybe it was ninety nine percent of the muggings were from black people. I don't fucking I, there, know. There's there's an answer to that, but I don't know. And it. I don't know it. And I didn't. It it bummed me out that it had to be that the fear that she has. Oh, this neighborhood's gone downhill. Oh, all the black people. I mean, maybe I don't, you know, maybe if it's an all black neighborhood now, but why, why is Roger living in an all black neighborhood? Well, they make a point of saying they're out of the way at this restaurant, that they go there because they're not going to be seen. So it's clearly where neither of them. All right, right, right. Okay. So I took, I took it as probably, I took it as the Upper West Side. It looked a lot like the Upper West Side with those, those townhomes. And it was not the Upper West Side of the 90s or the 2000s. So, you know. Again, there's an answer to that. I don't know it. I don't I, I don't think it's an issue either way because there was white on white crime, there was black on white crime, there was white on black crime, there was black on black crime. So pick your pick your criminal. But but this is who they picked. This is who That's they right. picked to show us. And that That's what I'm saying. There's an answer and we don't know it. That bummed me out. So that part, just before we get to the the rest of it that's fascinating, that part just it pissed me off. Okay. But to me more fascinating was that there's like a protocol. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guidebook. There's a guidebook. Evidently. Never and that, knew that. That rings that kind of rings a bell of earlier times. I mean, I, I grew up in the suburbs in New Jersey, but my all my grandparents were in Brooklyn. I feel like this was this sounds right. That that protocol sounds right. Yeah, I think it was based in something real, uh, that you we could probably look up if we wanted to, but um yeah, very, very scripted. We don't do research here. Shit, no. Fuck that. But no, very scripted. And we didn't see, right, the, the last thing, we didn't see anything. Right, well, no, that was the whole, that was the protocol. Yeah. The protocol was, we're looking down, we're looking down. Keep your head down, right, exactly. And there was no negotiating. Give him your purse wasn't, let me take my ID out of there or any, you know, it was. It's all gone. It was very upsetting also. Oof, I mean, I was horrible. I was with Joan. I was in, in the scene after as the you know, immediately after in the, you know, I want to scream. I was like, OK, oh, it's OK. Calm down. It's all right. Like I was I was kind of being <laughs> Roger to her. I was it was very upsetting for both of them. I remember on the on the blog at, at the time, there were some comments about, look, you're in the moment like sex is like not an unusual thing to happen. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, well. <laughs> They're ex-lovers. I mean, maybe it doesn't doesn't sound implausible. It's, it's striking. I was okay with it. I mean, I, to yeah. me, it's almost. So, it, listen, ex-lovers hook back up for less than a robbery, for less than yeah. a mugging. I mean, it's just. And here, and here's Joan, you know, concerned about her husband going off to war, and this is like a little bit of a war zone. Yeah. You know, in ah. terms of anxiety and and having guns pointed at you. I mean, Joan's just having a really bad day. Like she, she managed the death of a secretary and sneaking that secretary out a door and all of that. Like she had to do all that nonsense, you know, with clients and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And it was a fucking lot. And the husband and all that. And what she makes it clear the next day. I mean, that's why it hasn't happened sooner. She takes being married very seriously, mm-hmm. way more seriously than Roger or any of these other people, you yeah. know. She, she says, I'm not sorry. And I'm married. And so are you. Yeah, like this isn't going to be a thing. This isn't going to be a thing. This isn't a thing. I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen. And I'm not sorry. I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's the conversation that Allison and Don never had. Correct. (laughs) Basically. That's right. That's right. You know, 
I'm trying to remember the moment between Don and Don and Peggy. So when Don comes into the office after having sex with Faye, and we should also, I would like to just call back to the opening shot of the episode, which is the Don back Draper over the head. shoulder. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like Don's back. Right. Yeah, that's shorthand. I I don't mean I didn't mean Don's not back. Don's not not possessive. I meant Don Draper is back. Correct. Is what that's, Don's back that's shot means. Yeah. Yeah, he's back, and he's also like. But we're but we're back we're behind him now. It's both. It's like and we, Don's and back Don, means Don's back. Yeah, yeah, and he's shady and all that. Right. <laughs> God right. fucking help us. Um. So Peggy, you know, comes comes over and she's like, "I've got this work to present." She's she's showing him work and they've got a deadline coming up and we need to get this done by this time and da 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 da. And he's like, "Yeah, but I got to take a nap first. Right now. Great move, Don, Mister Swimmer, Mister Sex. No longer needs to nap because he's drunk, but now he's still got his naps scheduled, which God bless him. But what I did notice, and he's blow and he's blowing off Peggy and she's well, saying he's been this burning is calories all morning. That's right. Yeah. And she's saying, Well, this is the meeting he set up when we saw his back. That was what was happening there. Correct. So he's blowing her off and she's saying, I've got we've got a deadline and this is important and and he's saying it's not as important in my as my nap to her face. But I am also the cruelty is gone. And I brought, I bring this up because we're just talking about this next morning business and Allison and all of that. And we just had the suitcase a couple episodes back where really my main takeaway from that episode, as much as there was 5,000 main takeaways, was it was the next morning after we've slept and woken up again that he takes her hand, that he puts his hand on hers. And that's the difference, right? That's the, the difference. So I did notice that. A, he blew her off and he was shitty about the deadline and dismissive, but he wasn't cruel. He wasn't stinging. He was just yeah. ruling his roost and being his regular toxic self, not 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 cruel. It's mm-hmm. just worth watching where that continuity goes. No, he didn't go out of his way to shit on her the way he has in the past. That's right. Getting back to Sally. So now they've had their little morning and- she spends the day, the afternoon, then at the office, and Betty's coming to pick up, pick her up from from Don's office. So <laughs> she has the meltdown. Don says it's time to go. I'm not going. And you know what I see about Sally? I I link this to basically the last kind of meltdown that she had, which was extraordinary in its own right. Was after Jean died, and what triggered that in the moment was everyone was laughing at Gene dying. He's really gone. You guys don't, you're not respecting the fact that he's really gone, was her, you know, shorthand. And here, you know, well, Sally, it's time to go. I know you have to do things you don't want to do and all the rest. It's like, you know, this character, again, Sally Draper, will not be patronized. And that doesn't mean that People are going around patronizing her more than they do a girl her age. I just think that she's she she is so attuned to it and is not going to be kind of sucked into this this pattern of accepting things that she doesn't want to accept. And it's hard and it's ugly and it's it's difficult for everybody. But that's kind of what I see here is this this resistance to being patronized. And again, I think I think it's Sally's story that you can theme out through the rest of the stories. All of these other women 
are now asking themselves, how do I be who these men want me to be and still be true to myself? Mm. Sally's not asking that question. She's got it answered. Yeah. Sa- you know, Sally, Sally's, Sally's biggest problem is she's, she doesn't understand that she's a child and that That's she doesn't right. get to make these decisions. Right. She rejects the premise. She rejects yeah. the premise. And, and she's incredible. And she's rude and disrespectful and, 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 and she don't care. This is a girl who's going to get herself into a lot of trouble. I mean, you, and I'm, I'm not saying this from spoilers. I'm saying this from looking at this episode and going, right. we are not on a good path. If this is the way you talk <laughs> to people, you know, pre the screaming, we'll, we'll get to the screaming in a moment, but just let the, like the way she spoke to Faye. Now, Don... Don's sending Faye in there this time. See, I have more sympathy for him sending Faye home with her the first time. It wasn't great. It wasn't right. But there's a dead secretary, a client in the office. Yeah, he he was grasping for whatever. She's just been, you know, she knows his apartment. She doesn't, he doesn't have an Allison anymore. Correct. He has a Mrs. Blankenship. Well, he did a second ago, you know, but she's not the woman he was sending down to his apartment anyway. It really takes Sally to my apartment. It was desperate. It was wrong. But it wasn't, from Don's perspective, the dumbest dick move you could possibly make. No. This was. You go in and talk to Sally because I can't deal with her. Gee, wonder how that marriage broke down. Yeah. You know? No, you deal with it. What? Yeah. She's like, what? I mean, (laughs) no, that is not a thing. And then he makes her do it. And Sally was just like, not even having it. So again, I want to theme Sally out a little bit into like these uh, into these other stories. You've really got Joan trying to be all things to all people, the perfect office manager. Lane is now out of town. I'm keeping Lane's secrets. I don't talk to people. My husband is going to Vietnam. I'm trying to not fuck Roger, but I fucked Roger. All of that. Joan is grappling in her life. Hmm. Peggy is super attractive to a guy who is hipper and and in a certain way feels like it's like he feels like-minded even though they're not like-minded about anything but there's something that feels simpatico right there's something there's <laughs> you can feel it you and I both see it and feel it there is something between these two crazy kids and you're rooting for them i just realized uh, abe is a precursor to mike stivic <laughs> From from all in the family. Yes, and she's not Gloria. No, not even close. But but Abe is a little bit. Yeah, little, yeah, little yeah. Blind. Absolutely. No, he's a yeah. he's a he's a true bleeding heart liberal. Bleeding heart liberal, but he's putting his 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 money where his mouth is. He's writing. He's journal. He's a journalist. He's, he's sure. He's you know he's doing some stuff. Um. I mean, I think I think Bernie Bro is is, is kind of accurate. He's, but he's, he's heart the, before head. He's heart yeah. before head, and he's yeah. and he doesn't understand. What's important to Peggy and, you know, I mean, the, the whole idea, you can do better than this because I see you. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly the opposite of what he, def- it's what he defended her from when they yeah, met. Exactly. With somebody insulting that. her, and, yeah. you know. Yeah, sure. We'll have a march for you too. Right. Yeah. So you've got Peggy once again, not even in a relationship and unhappy about who she <laughs> has to be to be <laughs> in this with, relationship right. if she wants it. And then uh-huh. who she has to be in the office and all of that. And then, and then you've got Faye. And as badly as, as that was scripted, and we, well, let's just set that aside because we've covered it. Faye is nobody's mother. And it's, and it's lovely. She's like, I like, I did like where she's like, 
course I've thought about meeting your kids. Right. Of course I've wondered. Yeah, there's a great episode there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we never <laughs> get to see. Um, but, 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 I mean, again, I, I 100% with you, they, they, they scripted it so it could go as badly as possible and they didn't need to. It could have gone as badly as possible without some of that stupidity. Right. She could have just been regular awkward and Sally was going to be a little brat no matter what. Yeah. But she's now struggling now here in front of us with, I made choices and now I have a man who is a father and he may not. I mean, what was interesting that came out in that last scene with the two of them was she's afraid he won't respect her for not being a mother and not wanting to be a mother. I guess. That's what she said. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's awful. Well, I see that that piece didn't feel awful to me. That piece felt. I know. I mean, what she didn't say is I'm never going to be a good mother to your kids. That's really to me what there is to say. But but it also is early to say that. Right. Right. Um, In terms of like, ooh, do I that's pretty far. We're just sleeping together. But at the same time, she is there is something about a woman who I mean, women today. Listen, kids, kids today, (laughs) kids, 40 and millennials who are now 40. Many, many of them have chosen not to have kids because it is more of a choice or because they couldn't afford it or whatever. And they're still getting shit for it. So, of course, this oddball of a professional woman is going to feel it everywhere that she made this choice not to be a mother. Right. So there's all kinds of versions of and then you've got Peggy, who is a mother, but isn't a mother, you know, had a baby, but is not a mother. They're all dealing with with the expectations of being a beautiful girl. If you will, I'm just taking the taking the title and going, well, what the fuck was this episode about? And you've got all these women dealing with things. Okay, so let's get back to Sally's meltdown because it's. Yeah, because there's a sequence here. That I skipped. (laughs) Right. That's why I'm circling back. She expresses herself in Don's office first with the yelling and and I'm not going. You can't make me. I think the door was open, too. Probably. I think the door was open. But then she she runs out. She does that bit where she she runs down the hall, and it's that view that we rarely get, maybe once or twice we've had this camera angle, of Sally running. And it's, you know, there's this, there's a whole meme, although that's more social media, uh, but like on YouTube, you can, you can uh, search for, you know, runway shows where the model falls, right? Trips in the high heels or something. And it used to be like, you know, this huge gasp. And then after a while, you know, someone got up and like strutted off like, hey, big, big deal, you know, and she got like a big, big round of applause from the audience. And then after that, it became kind of a thing where, yeah, women, you know, you're wearing these ridiculous heels, you're going to fall. And of course, it it comes to mean something a little bit deeper about getting, dusting yourself off. And and when you fall, you get back up and all the rest. But here, I, I you know, it's this, it's this, still a girl who trips and falls and is obviously having an awful time of it. After this meltdown, she then trips and falls splat right in front of the entire office. And she gets the hug from Megan. Poignant how it all goes because she's got this confidence. And we, you know, we talked about how brazen she was kind of coming into this episode where now it's all coming apart. And because she's just a little girl has lost her shit. <laughs> just lost her shit and and it's not easy and she's dealing with this and her parents and the whole bat on the whole rest of it and that line at the end you know it's going to be okay and she's like fuck that it's no it's not 
And that echoes to, you know, Roger said to Joan, it's going to be okay. People love to say that. And she said, people love to say that. That's right. That's, but that's who, who says. And also, and also, by the way, Don and Betty, when they, with their, their last, I think when they're dancing at uh, Roger's daughter's wedding, he says something like, it's going to be okay. And her response is, what if it's not? How do you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think she says. And so there's a lot of that. You know, and we, and of- we've all been there. We've all been there. We want someone to say that to us. Yeah. There's moments where we want that said to us. And then there's other moments where people where we say it and you're like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? The fuck it is. I mean, yeah. nice try, but not convincing me. There's another scene I want to, I just want to go back to because I do think this is kind of, again, I, we're looking a little bit for like, this is an interesting episode with a lot of interesting things in it, but what's the soul of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. So Megan pulls Don out of the Fillmore meeting now. <laughs> the second time because yeah. his secretary is dead. Peggy asks, should I call an ambulance? Don has this like pathetic, helpless look on his face. Looks at Joan, who of course has the yeah. right answer. Coroner. Then Don, <laughs> Don says, Sally's, Sally's in my office. Joan asks why. And once again, Don has that same pathetic, helpless Yep. Expression. Megan. And Megan says the right answer. <sighs> She's visiting. Perfect. So this is an episode about women fixing things for men in a lot of ways. Yeah. And and there it was. It was right there. It was right mm-hmm. there in that scene. It was it was really <laughs> analogy doesn't quite do it. But that And of course and of course Joan uh when Blankenship is where they're trying to move her. <laughs> She's what like, is, I need a man. Get me a man. It, well, no, Joan says to Megan, get a man. Get a and man. Right in front of, of course, they're right in front of Don's office. So maybe Megan will stick around. We'll see. Um, well, Megan really made, Megan really shows up differently in this, you know, each episode. It's been very interesting this watching This is the first Megan one where we get, yeah. A little more, multiple. a little more, a little more, a little more. And, and, and that she's the one who soothes Sally. That's and I right. got to tell you, tw- I mean, this, for such a strange episode, I near cried like four different times. Me I mean, too. I already said the mugging really got me. Blank and ship, you know, the the astronaut line really got me. But my God, when that little girl ran down the hall Ugh. and they all, to me, what was very interesting was how shaken everybody was afterward, how visibly shaken. Now, they've all been through a lot in the last 48 hours, but they normally, again, this goes to the the corporate culture in this office being so different than it was in the old office. Mm-hmm. And just a few years ago, time and place that you, they weren't, they didn't just all put their decorum back on and pretend that didn't happen. They all were like, Oh God, that was awful. They weren't saying what the fuck is happening in that marriage or in that divorce and that right. family. They weren't, they might've had their judgments, but that's not what we saw. What we saw was the, was what we felt. It was, it was who it was, it was tough. It was a really powerful sequence. I felt. You know, because because that's not what you you know you see her have the meltdown and you think this is going to result in something. And it, to me, it was so beautifully, mm. beautifully uh, constructed. Where she goes running out and has this, you know, eat shit right there in front of the door. It's just I don't know. It was that's it awful. was really great. I fall all the time. 
I was coming to get you. Um, Miss, you. Sally's mother is in reception. Betty Draper has never been worse than no. she was in this episode. I mean, by the you know by the end, she doesn't know what just happened. She's no, just pissed. It's all, yeah, she's she's, she's blind just pissed to all that we're a few minutes late and I'm going to be late and da 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 da. But she's just she's awful. She's just well. It's also who Don's handing her back to now, right? Sally's had this little this little oasis of a of a day where she got to spend time with her dad, and I got one over on mom a little bit, and now it's right back into the witch's hands. Ugh. And that and that last line, just that goodbye, you know, that last goodbye was just oh my god. Plus, I'll tell you, when she go when she comes back into the office that second day, she looks thrilled. She looks delighted. Well, she doesn't ever get alone time with him. Right. She's glowing. Ever. She's, She's always glowing. they get their weekends, but it's always with Bobby. And inside of ninety seconds. She melts down in Don's office. That's gone. She's crying. She's red face. She's splat on the floor. And then by the time she gets back to Betty, she's a disaster. She looks horrible, you know, from this. And so, yeah. So, Betty's like, what? How do you treat my kid? Like, look at this. <laughs> in your office looking like this. She looked great. She was glowing two minutes God. ago. <laughs> we were <you> fine. <laughs> it's, it's, it, there's a lot to it. And it's, it's just amazing. And I, I, I do love this episode. I can't put my finger on. It either the soul a little bit is that I think they tried to make that soup analogy the soul, which is kind of unfortunate. But I I think the soul really is that that shot of the elevator, that closing shot of of the three women with three completely different yeah they're not connected and they're not connected at all they're not thinking about one another they're completely in their own heads and uh, going on, yeah. Peggy's got that little halo hat her little pillbox. Yeah, I'm, and Don, it, when Don and Faye have that that drink, and he's like, Jesus, what a mess. Yeah. And, you know, it's the least messy Don's ever been, or Don's right. been in a long time. <laughs> so he can actually recognize that things are yeah. a mess, and that he made some mistakes, and that things, you know, it's not great. And then, you know, she says, but is it all about however she says that? And clearly, they're they're trying to maintain that spark, but this has in all likelihood, put some kind of wedge there. I mean, this was, this was not, and it, and it was his fault, but, uh, yeah. but she's also, if Don's going to get serious with somebody in fairness, they've got to be somebody who can at least somewhat uh, yeah, be around but it's his been kids. Like a, but, but it's that, been like a month, but it I wasn't mean, a fair trial. It yeah. wasn't, you know, it was not a fair. He's, she's right. It was not a, a fair. You were right. It, it was not a fair test. It was not time for a test. She had not studied. It wasn't, it was not. I, okay. I take it back. I take it back. That was so me. That was me being. Let's take a fucking break. Let's everybody take a break, <laughs> take a breather, a deep breath, and we'll talk about more mistakes when we come back. Okay, so I don't know about you. <laughs> yes, you do, because you actually brought this up, which is why we're doing it. Because we each had a thing. This is so funny. But well, no, I don't know if you had this exact this exact experience. But when I think his name was Sean. Uh, Sean, what do you think? The middle, the middle child, you know, we learned that he's a stutterer. So he's stuttering and he goes through, I think he has said something at first and then he has another line later in the, in that conversation. These fucking IMDB people, the ad comes on mid stutter. I'm That's not hilarious. joking you. Mid, he starts a word and then finishes after the, after the commercial. 
Well, it's funny. No, so you you did mention this to me before, and I was like, let's talk about it because and why it was funny. I mean, that's pathetic and it's it's funny, funny and pathetic, yeah. right? But also, <laughs> I I actually. So yeah, I watch it. This is where I watch it. I mean, yes, I have DVDs, but it's easier to just click some buttons than actually make the effort to find to play a DVD. I wouldn't even That's know how happened. to play a DVD, yeah, I don't honestly. Mean, it's kind of like that. So anyway, um, so yes, that's where I watch. And I, I watched the episode twice. And what I noticed is that the poorly placed splotched ads in the middle of a sentence are not the same every time. And I, I never noticed that before. And all I, it, it was, right. it was that it was in the middle of somebody's sentence in one viewing and it wasn't in the next viewing. Oh, they're not even in the same spots. No, it's, a, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, not, it's really, uh, it's just messy. It's, it's, it is. These are these are connected TV. These are CTV ads, which means they're served dynamically. So we were talking earlier about what ads do you get? What ads do you? I get right. you know shaving products. Yeah. So they're definitely meant to be. They're connected somehow to you know probably something to do with Amazon because it's an Amazon platform. Um, but anyway, yeah. So so they're served dynamically. They will be different every time you watch, presumably. But I just I don't understand why. You know. I find that they're coming more frequently and they're not like 90 second blocks. I'm getting more 15 and 40 second blocks. It's just some, just that I haven't noticed. Noticed, but I just, I don't understand why, you know, we've, we've talked about this that Mad Men, Matthew Weiner did not write his scripts in acts. No. He wrote one script, but they, there are scene breaks and those scene breaks had well placed commercial breaks. Yeah. When it w- originally aired on AMC, AMC is commercial television. It always was. So the the commercials in those times came at appropriate moments. I just don't understand the budget constraint of 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 not. You know, I don't know how it works. I don't understand how the tech of it works. There's something automated about it. Obviously, I don't think any any human would not make these choices. That's the point. Right. And I obviously, mean, but, no, there's no there's no quality control either. But it, like it's happening with podcasts, right? Where you're getting yes, there's a way to yes. do dynamic podcasts. But I don't. I'm not hearing the same problem. All I'm hearing is you hear. Listen, you know, here's a little behind the scenes. When Dan and I set this up, I said, "Let's have breaks." The way we just came back from one, and. Let's just put them there um, so that if we ever get commercials or whatever, we have a place to put it. We're in the habit of having it. And I also I find I found from the beginning that when you listened, when I listen to it, even if there's no break in the break, there's a kind of a, a place to rest. It's like if I want to pause. I don't know. For me, it gives a, a, di- structure. There's a, a structure. Thank you. That That is restful for me. That that makes sense. That has almost a musicality to it. And then when I we stick an announcement in there, great. So what happens is with these dynamic, if, you know, if we were to get ads and those ads were to be quote unquote dynamic, there's a thing you have to do to make those happen. But what happens is I listen through um, the Overcast app Hmm. and sometimes I hear the same thing that we have, which is just like, let's go to a break and we're back. And what it is, is that the, um, my understanding is that the, 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 Big people, the big advertisers that are paying for dynamic ads are not bothering to have it outreach all the way to all the the smaller apps, Mm. you know. So the point is, there is a technology, I don't know what it is, of getting an ad in the right fucking spot. And I don't understand why Amazon, well, it's not Amazon. 
it's IMDb TV, which I guess Correct. is a smaller budget and a smaller shop. But I just don't understand not spending the money to find the right spot to put your commercials. It's they pressed a button so and never looked at it again. Bad. Sure. It's so <laughs> bad. It's so bad. You know, somebody, and I just want to, I want to mention one more thing just because this came up on Twitter and I'm just going to like refresh the memory of how this all started. You know, when Dan and I started this, when we can, when you said, hey, let's do this podcast, was definitely your idea. And I was kind of on the, in the fetal position behind my couch in end of April of COVID, right? Of, of 20, of COVID, that the year COVID of 2020. Mm. Um, at that time, Mad Men was, was having an, a new, a little bit of a renaissance because everybody was home and it was still on Netflix. Mm. Um, and then we're like, okay, let's do it. And we're starting to figure out how do you do a podcast and we're starting to set things up. And then it went away. <laughs> we were like, yeah. bye it's, bye. it's not on Netflix. And there was a, I don't remember how long, four weeks, six weeks of until yeah. it came back. Correct. Um, and that was a bit of a panic, but it came back on this weird new fucking IMDb TV platform. And we tried, we gave it a- hey. And we're still there, but it's, we're not, we're not above complaining about it. That's the point. No, we're below. We're below it. Okay. Good times. The thing about that episode is it's definitely set up for more episodes, right? Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's, uh, it's, it's episode nine. You're setting up things that are clearly going to happen around all those women and maybe more. So we've got 10, 11, 12, 13 coming. And next week it's going to be... Hands and knees. Hands and knees. and ma- Oh, oh, oh. And I, I'm going to say it now. Hands and knees was directed by Lynn Shelton. Oh. Who died not of COVID during COVID. I did not know that she directed this. Yeah. I knew wow. I knew there was an episode she directed. So I'm glad I caught that before watching. Because I will, I will pay special attention awesome. from, from that. All right, guys. Have a great week, everyone. Talk to you soon. Hey, Coiners, we're so glad you're enjoying the show. One of the best ways to support us is to give us rave reviews on Apple Podcasts and to share us on social media. A great way to literally support us is at our Patreon, where we've got some extra content. Patreon.com slash theycoinditpod. If you're able, we love you either way. And we love your comments and your questions. Bring them on. Questions at theycoinditpod.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, at TCI Mad Men Pod. We've got a lot more Mad Men to get to, and we can't wait. See you next episode.